Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome in to this week's edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans, and as always, we thank our great sponsor of the podcast, TNT Home Services, for all your heating, plumbing, cooling, and electrical needs. Reach out to my friends Ronnie and Laura Thornton, the husband-wife co-owner team at TNT, 720-500-1979, and at TNTHomeServicesCO.com, TNT Home Services. We got your six and a special guest. He's back again, a little under the weather, fighting some of the stink crud as yes. it's, uh, as we're calling it. Sandy Clough is here. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Good. Let's get you talking. That's right. And let's get this thing cleared out a little bit. That's right. And uh, get you rolling. I got a lot of avalanche stuff to cover. Let's just start with the most obvious. How did you? How do you feel about the moves that Joe Sackick made and didn't make at the trade deadline? What kind of trade deadline grade would you give Joe Sackick? I would give him a B plus, uh, maybe not an A minus, but certainly a B plus. I think they were going as far as could have reasonably been expected on Giroux. Uh, Giroux didn't want to come here. He wanted to play for Florida. I thought, and I think I was on with you and Chad, uh, maybe right before the deadline, and you asked me about the needs they should address, and I thought they needed a face-off guy. Nico Sturm is that guy. Uh, I thought they needed maybe some size on defense, especially with Gerard out. Uh, they got that in Manson, although he hasn't played well the last two games. And I really like the Lekkonen Cogliano deals for right now. Yes, you give up Barron. Uh, I guess the DU kid, Barron's now becomes the Avalanche number one prospect, at least on defense. Uh, but you give up no existing players in any of these deals, save for Tyson Jost. I think that's. Pretty remarkable. Uh, Lekkonen is kind of a Mike Keane type. And I think they need that experienced element. I thought their bottom six, awfully young. Mm-hmm. And I think when you bring in Lekkonen, he's 26. You bring in Cogliano, he's 34. Uh, he's played in over 1,100 games. Uh, Seem to have some, uh, as uh, they say, jump uh, last night in the game against Vancouver. I think those are very savvy moves. Um, they'll help the Avalanche on the penalty kill, and that is the only fundamental weakness on the Avalanche right now is penalty killing. So the admission by Joe Sackick, I hear you. I heard your complaints about what happened in the playoffs. I saw it. We all saw it. I had We had to get tougher. We had to get tougher to play against and he went out and addressed that with his moves. But the core that is still here, are they able, did they learn the lessons from last year that they're able to play a style that they struggled playing a year ago? Now they've been helped out, they've been augmented, but this core, are they prepared to do and play 
a way that they didn't play a year ago. I think so. The two guys I worry about a little bit, uh, on the second line, it would be Burakovsky. Uh, he's so streaky. And they put him on the top line, as you remember, for a while. Seemed to get him going. Hasn't done a lot since they moved him back down to the second line. Uh, Nishushkin is fine, having an excellent year as a top-end checker. Uh, first line is among the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Third line, they've got to get new hook going. Uh, 11 goals, he's been stuck on that for weeks, it seems like. Ever since uh, our friend Mark Rockcroft predicted he would get 20 after he scored his 11th. I don't think he's scored since. Uh, they've got to get those two guys going. They've got to be offensive factors. It can't be the first line and Kadri with a Nishushkin chipping in. And it's too much of a burden on the defenseman to contribute to the scoring, although they're certainly capable of it, Taves and, and McCarr. But you're asking them to play major minutes against opposing top lines, and you can't expect them to score like forwards in the playoffs. What will Lekkonen bring? Uh, 200-foot game, uh, good checker, uh, relentless four checker, and I think they need that. Mm-hmm. Fast, smart. Uh, has a flair for the big goal. His goal was the one that sent the Las Vegas Golden Knights home last spring in game six in overtime. So uh, I think he's a good addition. I really do. Uh, giving up. That's right. He's fighting through the crud. Yeah. He's a hockey player. Uh, giving up giving up Barron is uh, something that, I'm sure they'd rather not do. But I think Lekkonen's a long-timer here. He's a restricted free agent. It's not just a rental. It's not just for this year. And I think they'll be fine. Didn't they have to, as much as they are in a, hey, we're in it to win it now, there had to be some acknowledgement to the future. And when you were looking at some of the guys like a a cop or a rakel, these were guys – that were are going to be unrestricted free agents. Lectonin is a restricted free agent, so you're yes, you gave up some prospects. Yes, but at least in the case of Lectonin, you're 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 doing so with the idea that this guy should be a piece moving forward as well. Right, and I don't know that I'd want him on my second line, but on a third line, I think he's an ideal winger on the third line because he will do all of the dirty sort of unappreciated stuff, Mm -hmm. and he's looked upon in Montreal. I mean, that's a horrible team. Yeah. And he was a plus player for them. But with everything else collapsing around him, he was still effective and scored 13 goals on a team that can't score and played responsibly on a team that has somehow, I, I can't imagine another team in sports, going from being a finalist for the championship one year to the very bottom of the league the next. It's extraordinary. But he comes here, and he he comes here with a lot of playoff experience, 33 playoff games in three years, including 17. You're right. They had a 17-game playoff run a year ago, and now they're back to being among the dregs of the NHL. But he brings that as well. And I I, I wasn't scared off by his, his... goal scoring or his point totals either because I look at it as, first of all, very offensive challenge Montreal team, 
but he comes here, he'll play around, he'll play with better players. Yes. And, you know, kind of like a Jonas Donskoy, you, you saw his production here, then he left, you saw how it dropped off. There is something to the idea that when you play with better players, your impact is going, your production is going to go up. Plus, I, to his 200-foot game that you're talking about, the relentless forechecking, I like the idea of him being able to create a lot more opportunities absolutely. for the goal scorers that he plays with. Yes, uh, absolutely. And he kills penalties. And so I see Sturm as a guy who wins a fair number of face-offs. Yep. And I see Lekkonen being that second penalty killer uh, with Sturm in their uh, top pair. And, you know, they, their penalty killing actually, Mike, since February 1st, has been top five in the league. But it tells you how far down they were before February 1st. Yeah. I think they were 28th, 29th, something like that. Because they're only 18th now overall. They're still in the lower half of the league when it comes to penalty killing. So I think they shored that up. And you you get guys. They, they, this is a playoff-tested team. Now, the test they have to pass is getting through the second round. Not that the first round is something they can completely ignore. But uh, Daryl Sutter had a line the other day. This was great. About how uh, uh, he fears for the <laughs> emotional health of the team that has to play yeah. the Avalanche in the first yeah, round. I think playoffs. he said something along the lines of, uh, what a waste of uh, 10 days. That's right. It's a waste of <laughs> I mean, 10 days of your life. You might as well get a jump on uh, actually That's doing right. something productive for those 10 days. That's exactly You're right. not going to win a You're hockey series. You're not going to win a four out of seven series we'll, in the first we'll round. We'll get to the the playoffs and, and how it shapes up for the Avs, at least in the Western Conference. But uh, the one addition that was not made, the one move that was not made, was it at goaltending. And I, I never really thought that that was the case. They, they gave up so much for Darcy Kemper, plus Kemper – hasn't really done anything wrong, you know, during the, the regular season. I know he's had a, a, a moment here and there, but I think we're at the point with Kemper where, look, he he's checked all the boxes to this point. Now we find out if he can be the guy in the playoffs. And, and honestly, that's something we won't know until we know. No. We just won't. No. And he's played in the playoffs before. Not with these kinds of expectations, though. And it's, it's such a head game. We know that. Yeah. We've been, been around this yeah. team in past years, travel with them during the playoffs. And you had uh, the the ultimate in uh, psychological mastery mm-hmm. in Patrick Waugh. And uh, Darcy Kemper is probably going to have to not so much steal a game, but play up to the highest of standards in maybe one game every series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if the Avalanche are only giving up 20, 25 shots on goal on a pretty consistent basis, I don't see how any of these teams in the West anyway can beat them four times in seven games. I'm glad it's, you said that because I, I, I came on our show and said I, I think they roll through the West. I, I really do. I, I don't see anybody out there – that that really spooks me. And, you know, look, Vegas Vegas was on my radar right from the start last year to the point where it was like, man, I can't believe a, a probable, didn't turn out to be that way, but a probable Western Conference final is going to be played in the second round. Okay, so I had my eyes open about Vegas. 
this time around, Vegas just to me seems like a shell of what they were a year ago. And Sandy, honestly, I look around. Who's who's going to beat this team in a best four out of seven? Calgary? No. St. Louis? No. Minnesota? I mean, Listen, please. there's only one Western team that's beaten them twice in regulation this year, and that's Dallas. Do not be in the playoffs. Um, actually, right now, it would be Dallas in that final spot ahead of Vegas, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Yeah. Vegas would miss the playoffs. So I, I think Dallas and Vegas are two of the teams you might fear. And you might have to play one of them in the first round. But you're not going to have to play both of them because one will make the playoffs and one won't. I, I think Calgary, the Kings, and Edmonton are basically in. Uh, the Avs, St. Louis, and the Wild, uh, one, two, and three in the Central Division. Uh, Nashville's good. Nashville could end into third place. And uh, Dallas right now is fifth and a point ahead of Vegas for the final playoff spot. Yeah. Who would you rather play? Um, Dallas gives the Avalanche some trouble. Dallas is a a blue collar. They'll give you an honest effort. I just don't see them being the Avalanche four times. No. No. And the Avalanche are fine in the first round. I mean, they they swept St. Louis last year, and I'm not expecting a sweep. None of this uh, Moses Malone faux, 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 faux. <laughs> That's hey, right. You know, we, we covered an old school the, drop. The, I like the that. last championship team here that lost seven games in the playoffs. Yeah. So there are going to be moments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last 10 games, they aren't exactly in peak form. Right. You know, five, four, and one in the last 10. Yep. They've hit a little bit of a lull, and I, I think boredom might have something to do with that. Uh, the other aspect is, and they've got to be aware of this in the playoffs, other teams are going to have this attitude of nothing to lose. Yep. And even if it means taking some liberties, sure. perhaps spending some additional time in the penalty box, even though the Avalanche have a very good power play, teams are going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to try to get it's under Nathan McKinnon's skin. I'm definitely absolutely. going to try to get under Nazem Kadri's skin. Uh, he's target number one. Exactly. And that, that's going to be my strategy. I'm going to I'm going to try to get this guy suspended again. Um, now, getting him suspended this year would hurt. I am not one of those, and I perhaps am in the minority on this. I am not one of those who believes the Avalanche would have beaten Vegas last year had Kadri played. Because Kadri was not producing... He was not having a very good year. Nothing like this year. This year, getting Kadri suspended would be disastrous. Mm-hmm. It would cost them the cup or, or a realistic chance at the cup. Last year, I'm not so sure. So if the idea is all we have to do is keep Kadri eligible and we'll sail through the playoffs, I don't think that's their attitude. But, yes, he will be target number one. People will try to provoke him. Sandy Clough, the gravelly voice, Sandy Clough, joining me uh, here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast, presented by TNT Home Services. McKinnon, he joked about it the other day after his overtime winner about how his shooting percentages are like 2%. He was joking, but it's not that far off. Uh, it's at 9.5%. And, and and I went and looked at it, and all the Avalanche top scores are all in double digits, led by Gabe Landeskog, who's at 20% shooting percentage and is that one of those things that it it's it's just so random it's so law of averages that Nathan McKinnon 
The puck's not going in for him. Is it anything he's doing wrong? Or is it just a case of, man, Gabe Landeskog's just in one of those hot zones where everything he throws on net seems to go in, and McKinnon just is stymied? Well, you watch the games. You see a lot of Landeskog's goals. He's the ultimate garbage man. Yeah. And a lot of his goals come on rebounds from shots shot. taken percentage. by Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. And or or redirects mm-hmm. uh, from shots that might be delivered by Rantanen or McKinnon or McCarr. I, I I don't look at his production as having diminished that much. Fewer goals, more assists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifteen games missed with injury is take him out of the quantitative numbers that he usually puts up. But qualitatively, I, I actually thought, listen, last night nobody was great. But generally over the last two weeks, I think he's been as good as he can possibly be, and mm-hmm. that's really, really good. Yeah. And, and to me, I I think it's great. I, I At some point, the, the numbers are going to revert back to the mean when it comes to a guy like Nathan McKinnon. Well, why not in the playoffs? And why not in the playoffs? Remember and, and the year me, that I Peter just think Forsberg, he's almost like a ticking time bomb, really. He didn't play all year, and then he went crazy in the playoffs? Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm not saying Nathan McKinnon could do that, yeah. but I'm just saying I, I don't worry about Nathan McKinnon scoring goals. Right, right. When playoff time comes right. around. Uh, scoring goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs, especially as you go along, is the hardest thing to do in sports. We just saw... Michael Malone get a new contract yes. with the Denver Nuggets. Right. And that immediately led to conversation, is Michael Malone the right kind of coach to win a championship? We all acknowledge what he does in the regular season. Yep. Early on in the playoffs. But is Michael Malone the guy to lead this team to a championship? I'll ask you that question of Jared Bednar. Are you convinced Jared Bednar is the right coach to take this team to a cup, and what lim- what 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 concerns would you have that maybe he's not? I don't know that I'd have any specific uh, concern. I-, I thought maybe last year he overreacted after the two Las Vegas losses in games three and four. The series is tied at two games apiece. They're coming back home from game five, and he breaks up the top line. Now, he has been, if he, he's great in press conferences, especially the post-game pressers. But if anything maybe arouses him a little bit, agitates him a little bit, it's talk of how he deploys his lines and changes combinations and so on. And I think he is very anxious to take pressure off the top guys. But I think temperamentally, he's the ideal coach. Uh, You don't see him go off publicly in the way that Malone can do Mm -hmm. from time to time, both on the bench during games and in post-game presses. Certainly. You see him lose his cool. I've never seen Bednar lose his cool, but I know in practice he will get on people. And occasionally, and remember our friend George Carl always used to say, you only have three or four shots to take at your team all year. Mm-hmm. You have to spread them out. You can't waste them all in the first half of the season. You can't react every time you get angry. You can't react publicly. And I think he is a coach who operates on that theory. And um, I, I think the players trust him. 
believe that he's always going to act in their best interest. And I think he's a cool head on the bench. Um, would you like a little more fire? I mean, you we've covered coaches sure. here who definitely had it. Yep. Mark, Crawford, Mark Crawford, Bob Hartley, Bob Hartley to yep. an extent. Even Joe Quenville yeah. would would go off yep. on occasion, especially on the bench. That guy named Waugh <laughs> for the short uh, time, the one yes, time. <laughs> a little bit. And and you know Patrick sure. uh, as as well as I do. And that uh, this is someone who who always seems to have, I've noticed, uh, that that kind of wry little mm-hmm. uh, smile. Does he remind you of uh, somebody else that is a Stanley Cup winning coach? His temperament, his demeanor. Does does one come to mind? I know I'm throwing you kind of on the spot here, but you've got a amazing mental uh, Rolodex you there. Know, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I don't know John Cooper that well. Yeah, um, but I I think he's a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's like a good that. one. That's a good um, one. He'll blow up occasionally, but not yeah, that much. Yeah. yeah, and and I think the the analysis that Bednar provides of each game mm-hmm. is pretty much right on. Yeah. I always think when I'm watching a game, I want to hear what he says, especially mm-hmm. when I'm there in person. Yeah. I want to hear what he yeah. says after the game yeah. to see if my perception of the game at all matches what he saw, because I think he'll be blunt he is, without yeah. being destructive right. and taking individuals right. and right. throwing them under the bus. Right, right. Like, you know, when they lost to Vancouver, and he, he was he was very matter-of-fact. I really liked my effort. I really liked our effort in the second period, but we, you know, had some lazy turnovers in, in the third and came back to bite us. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean... It's it's you're not telling us anything we don't know or didn't see. You're being honest, and you can go back to your players with that same kind of honesty. And what are they to do? They they have to look at it and say, yeah, coach is right. And we we did have a couple of careless giveaways, and it ended up hurting us. So, well, it's uh, I can't imagine Bednar saying as Malone did the other night. Uh, we gave in and quit. Yeah, he doesn't go as nuclear. He, he as He doesn't does. go to that well. Yeah. nearly as often, and. Listen, you know Malone's why? record. Why? What are the what's the differences? Why is does very Malone, good. Why does Malone feel he can do it? Because he's Bednar got Jokic. Does, he's got Jokic in his and, corner. Uh, Jokic will, after every loss, say it's my fault. Yeah. So the coach can follow up and say, "Well, I saw some give in and some quit," and he doesn't specify players. But Jokic is always uh, taking the blame for the losses, and so he has that kind of cover. Um, I get the sense that the Avalanche this year certainly are a no-excuses bunch. Mm-hmm. Remember how Rantanen called them out at the beginning of yeah. the year? And they almost immediately turned things around. I think they've got uh, McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, Landeskog, uh, guys who will say stuff. Uh, Landeskog's getting on the officials uh, a few weeks back in Carolina, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure that was terribly helpful. Right. Uh, the words th- that were all that well chosen. I mean, I think people look at the Avalanche and say, wait a minute, you're complaining about the officiating? You guys spend more time on a power play than any team in the league. Right. Come on. Yeah. But I, I think it's a strong-minded group. But for a team that has not won a championship, they are treated by the opposition as the gold standard. Yes. It's not Tampa Bay. No. 
No. And, and do it's you not think, St. Louis. The think, last two or three teams that have won Stanley Cups aren't treated the way the Avalanche is, are. Is, the Avalanche haven't won anything. Is putting that self-imposed bullseye on your back, which they're welcoming. They seem to they welcome. They seem to welcome that. Is that is that healthy? Is that is that good for a team that doesn't have a deep playoff resume to be able to come out and say without any misgivings, yeah, it is Stanley Cup or bust. Is that is that self-appointed pressure good? I think the pressure drives them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I also think to be at their best going into the playoffs, you need three guys to come back. And I'm not saying one or two of them. I'm saying all three have to come back, and they have to be good. They have to be healthy. They have to be right. Landis God, Gerard, and Bowen. I think it's essential. And if you want to have McDermott as a spare part in case teams, for whatever reason, begin to take liberties yep. from one game to the next, you can suit up McDermott sure. and restore order yeah. that way if you Someone's have trying to. to get under Kadri's skin. Sure. Yeah. You send McDermott out. Yeah. Because you can certainly spare him. Yes, yes, but it is it is interesting because you 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 love the motivation that comes with that kind of self appointed pressure, but it also can lead to pressure. And we saw when we were following the Avs through their Cup run in two thousand one. I mean, that was a team loaded with all stars and future Hall of Famers, guys who had won Stanley Cups. And we saw times during their playoff runs where they were certainly feeling the pressure, squeezing the proverbial stick, you know? It's real. It happens during the course of a playoff run. And you got to be able to know how to deal with it. And when you're putting that kind of Stanley Cup or bust-type pressure on yourself, expectations and demands, all I'm saying is that there's some positives and negatives to it. It's not all positive. You got to be careful about it. You have to be careful about it. You're yeah. you're absolutely right. And you have to have a coach who's not going to be riding that roller coaster. Right. Right. Riding that emotional roller coaster. Right. Ecstatic after every win yep. and despondent after every loss. Right. You cannot have that. And uh, I I was when I made the comparison to Cooper, I, Cooper just strikes me as a guy who's pretty much even keel. Yep. After wins, after losses, he knows there are going to be patches in the playoffs where uh, things get a little hairy, mm-hmm. and you're not completely confident. But uh, that's where the goaltender comes in. I think yeah. the goaltender is is kind of your backbone. Yep. Uh, in the playoffs, and if your goaltender stays calm, and the thing I've noticed most about Kemper from the start of the year to this point, he's much calmer. Yep. In the in the nets, he's not flopping around. He's uh, Moving only when he has to, taking advantage of his size, he's a big guy, mm-hmm. and I I think he has adjusted. Um, I think he's one of those guys who needs to spend a few months with his new teammates to get a sense of what they do and mm-hmm. how they communicate. And I think once he has that down, he's a pretty secure goaltender. Um, but again, in the playoffs, you just want. You want steady. Yep. And if a guy has a bad game, you can count on him coming back the next game. Yep. 
one bad game will not lead to two or three more bad games. Right. You're right. It's that ability to just compartmentalize what happens. Good stuff. Hey, that's great. Flush it. You know, bad game. Hey, you know, it's it's a long haul. You're right. You, I hadn't thought about that, but that Avalanche team that won the cup in, in 01 and, and seemed like a, a juggernaut to us, they lost seven games. They were they were on the ropes against New Jersey. And to your point about the goaltender, unless Patrick Waugh has a mentality in the first period of, I refuse, I refuse to let a puck go in because they were swarming that first period. He refused to give up a goal. Then Adam Foote pops one in late, and then the floodgates open. They go on to win a cup. But you're going to face that kind of adversity, and you have to be able to know how to handle it. Well, I, I remember the series against the Kings. They're up 3-1. Yeah. They get shut out twice. Yes. Yes. And they have to win game yes. seven. Rob Blake, right, was the, the big goal in that game, I think. Yes. The, the, the one in yes. game seven. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's it's not easy. It's why it's the most <sighs> difficult team championship to win out there. But uh, they're ready. The, we, we, Avalanche fans, I'm stealing a s- scene from Hoosiers when Gene Hackman gets up and says, this is your team. This is your team. They have the, their team now. The moves have been made. Sure. This is the group. We'll see how they do. Sandy, I know you're uh, battling a little bit. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Mike. All right. It's a pleasure. Sandy Clough, of course, with all of our Avalanche and Nuggets uh, postgame shows with uh, the outstanding Sean Drotar. What a great team at night. Check them out. That'll do it for the Mile High Hockey Podcast. My thanks to our sponsor, TNT Home Services, for all your heating, plumbing, cooling, and electrical needs. Reach out to them, 720-500-1979, and at tnthomeservicesco.com. TNT Home Services, we got your six. That'll do it for the Mile High Hockey Podcast. We'll see you again next week.